Brisbane Roar still chasing their first win of the new A-League season after a loss to Adelaide at the weekend, which saw their time since their last goal reached 270 minutes. We'll discuss that. Plus, kick off in the W-League in the Y-League on the Brisbane Football Review starting right now. Everyone, welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Podular Media Network. It's Scott and Adam with you this week, and it's great to have your company. You can always get in contact with us through our Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us at Brisbane Football Review, or you can send an email at, at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Now, this podcast is available on all good podcasting outlets, and we welcome our listeners through the Football Nation Radio channel, with this podcast played on Thursdays at 12pm through the Football Nation Radio website and through their digital media network. Now... I'm sure you've realised that, no, I'm not James. James, He is away after allegedly working really hard. He's earned a vacation. That's his view on it. Now, we've gone to the VAR to check that. And that the result of that is still pending. Isn't that right, Adam? Yeah, look, um, it is. He's somewhere on some island or island time, I guess, on his fifth pina colada. So, but one thing is that if you're listening to this any time before about the next week, I suggest you turn it off now, James, because you're not going to be a very popular person with your wife. No. Now, we are we are waiting the results of that VAR check. You know how that thing works. It could come through at any given time. Now, no, I'll be on your show next week. Yeah, now, that's a very good point. Now, before we get into talking about the game at the weekend, we should mention the fact, Adam, you will not be here next week either. No, you're, you're off to an undisclosed location as well. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not off travelling. So, <laughs> travelling for work this time, so my job actually pays me. We hope there's a show for you next. We'll have to. You have to keep in touch with our social media. We'll have something for you next. Just how that's going to pan out, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but I don't know what James' excuse, but I feel pretty bad <laughs> getting off and leaving you on your own. So we'll figure it all out. Now let's talk about the game at the weekend in the, in the A-League review. Right, so Adelaide United had a 1-0 win over the Brisbane Royal. Riley McGree with a goal in the 84th minute with a nice cutback from James Torrey. That was the only goal of the game, and it didn't really pan out the way things were we were hoping for, Adam. Yeah, look, I think it's a game of missed opportunities. Um, look, at the end of the day, it was it was sort of, you know, I don't know if you can call it sucker punch because Adelaide were, by that time, they, they sort of had, you know, the Raw sort of come out and had a number of opportunities that they could have, you know, got hit the front. And then I think it just wore them down late and eventually, you know, some, you know, great, great run by James Fuisi by the byline, cut it back and Riley McGree scores. And that was, and that was the, um, the at the end of the day, the, what to decide the game. I thought that was the only goal of the game. In fact, before we dissect the game in any more detail, let's hear what the Brisbane Rock coach Robbie Fowler had to say after the game. I think that's probably been the story of our season so far. Um, first half, we we weren't great, we'll admit that. Um, you know, the way we've played all season, we've been, I think, been fantastic. Moves about, ball round quick, plenty of possession, uh, good possession. Never happened today, first half. Second half, we, we, uh, we were much better. But chances we missed again, you know, it, it's it's been the story. It really has. Um, I can't keep happening, really. You know, we, we, we do a lot of finishing. Uh, we do a lot of team shape. We do a lot of work uh, in all aspects of football. Um, but if you keep missing chances, like like the chances that we've had, then, um, you know, it's it makes football matches a little bit harder. All right, so that's Robbie Fowler's thoughts on the game. Now, Adam and I will we'll talk about it now. But we'll start off right back to the start. An unchanged 11 once again, Adam. Is, was that a bit of a surprise to you? Because we talked about on the show last week, there might be a change in that front, though, but he went with the same team again. I'm, look, I, 
I think we all wished he did, but I'm not shocked that he didn't. I think at the moment, you know, five games into his tenure, I think you know, Robbie Fowler, he's just going with... I, I think it's a case of he's picking his what he believes is his 11 best players. If he has to fit them in somehow, some way, playing out of position, sort of... You know, I, I'm, I'm more than ever convinced that, that Brad, Brad Inman is not a striker, um, at least not a frontline striker. You know, if he could, you know, he, he's good makeshift, you know, false number nine. But I, I think he's playing out of position. I think it might be just a case of Roy Fowles picking his best 11 players he has available at the time, and he's just he's just fitting him in. And um, you're absolutely yeah. right because Scott Neville is also he's not a left wing back either. He's all right foot, and he's, he does a yeah. fine job out there in a makeshift role covering for injuries and players unavailable to international duty. But he's not a left wing back, is he? Yeah, no. I think he had a bad game, but it's just it's not. It's a it's a it's a square peg in a round hole. Sort it's of a just they said with Scott Neville. It's not the first time he's he's played. You know, I, I, at Perth he he played all across that that back line. So it's not foreign to him. You're right. Um, it does wave surf like when he's a right footer and he says not they can't. He's not uh, two footed on that. But yeah, look, I mean, you can't really sort of knock the defence too much. Like they they to most part did their job. It's um. Just the sort of the yeah, the attack is just it's just sploring at the moment. The midfield doesn't seem to be, you know, if they're not they're not getting control of anything. It's even and you know they're sort of conceding, but conceding sort of I guess you know I guess the impetus against the opposing midfielder. But um, yeah, look, it's one of those things where you know I think it's it's time. You know, Robert Fowler needs to look deeply and say, look, it's just not working at the moment. It's not it's not getting the results that he's desiring. It may be performance wise, it's working out. At the end of the day, you don't get judged on performance. You get judged yeah. by wins and losses. Absolutely. It wasn't that Scott never had a bad game, but he imagine he was completely fine. It's just it's another player playing. You mentioned Brad Inman playing up front. Maybe not a striker. Just also, Scott Neville's not really a left wing back. But we should move on to the, just talk about the first half because I thought the first half was probably about as bad as they played this season, wasn't it? There was not much there. Adelaide were well on top and Brisbane really struggled to get the ball out of their own half at times. It, would have been was, it was really difficult to watch, wasn't it? It was. It would have been very, very interesting had had that um, goal and then that, who, um, the header, who's, who header escapes me. Um, if that was Millie was in check, stand corrected. Yeah, I, it was one, it was one of the, the front three. You know, and if that had gone in, maybe it would change the game, but it was just yet another dour control performance. I, I understand that they're on the road, so they might be trying to, you know, play, sort of absorb pressure, try and counter-attack where it is. But the problem is, is that this the way the side's set up at the moment, it doesn't look like... There's no counter-attacking option. Yeah, it, it, it really it really is, is laboured. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to just, you know, sort of play that slow build-up from the back. And, yeah, look, it, it, was, just, it was just very down. And, look, Adelaide United probably... I think actually they probably would have been the more upset of the two sides going into the break because they probably should have been one or two goals up and yeah, and really had control of the game. But the fact that they went in square at the break, I oh, actually flooded the roar a little bit. Absolutely. And in the second half, the roar, it was it was a very much different performance because they were a lot more on the front foot. They created a few more chances, which we've criticised them for in the past, not creating them. Well, they certainly did in the second half, but they just did not take them, did they? That's that's the crux of the matter in the second half. Yeah, the, the, the two that still stand for mine, you know, Roy Donovan, he, he's really in a rut at the moment. Yeah. He's like, you know, he, he's not... Like, you expect your, your predatory number nines, you know, even if they go missing for, you know, 60, 70 minutes, you expect them eventually to pull away. But, you know, he had a glorious opportunity. Um, and then uh, Dylan Wenzel Halls, when he came on, he, he had a good chance where he blazed over. So... So look, it's, it comes down to you know the attack not taking their opportunities. I'm not, we're not going to not going to um, to badger you know Dylan Winslow Hall, especially you know he's on there to do a job and you know it swings and roundabouts with him. You know they said it rocks and diamonds. You know that he's going to either you know come good or you know it's, he's going to put way over. But as a substitute, he's he's really sort of you know he's coming on trying to make an impact, but. I question whether you know he didn't being given enough time to make an impact, or even the game plan to make an impact. Because you know it's you, like I said, they're trying to find the speed to be able to sort of get in behind the def- a tiring defence, and it all seems to be just streamed up the middle. Because obviously, as well, they're they're focusing on um, Aaron and Marty Holloway's height. Yeah, well, we'll certainly come, get back to some of those. You know, you've jumped ahead a fair bit. I want to go right back. <laughs> Sorry, it's yeah. not just Dylan Wenzel Hall that missed a chance. Jay O'Shea missed a great yeah, yeah, yard box, and Brad Inman had a. Had a one-on-one as well. So there's three or four chances mm. in the Raw. Absolutely, they should have converted at least one of those. But you mentioned Roy O'Donovan, so let's talk about him. Yep. Did, were you surprised that he came off after about 60, 65 minutes and they didn't try the pairing of he and Aaron Amadi Holloway at, at all in this game because they swapped for each other? Again, I'm I'm surprised given um, how Roy Fowles treat him. As far as, you know, he's obviously he's the vice-captain. He's, you know... 
is obviously that you know that your your talisman number nine sort of type. But I'm not surprised because his performance in the last couple of weeks it hasn't made, and that may not it's not necessarily him out of form. It just seems that you know maybe the teams that we've played that the, the Raw have played so far have cottoned on the fact that he's the main focus and they're just going to defend him and mark him out of the game. And there just does not seem to be many options. Jay O'Shea pops up now and then, um, but yeah, he but like I said, he needs to take his opportunities. If they're going to mark O'Donnell out of the game with a point where he's ineffective. The others have got to step forward, and they're not at the moment. That, that's where the problem is. That's 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 the big question. Is it is it a Roy O'Donovan issue, or is it a service issue? Is he not getting the sort of service required for him to get to get strikes on goal? Because he hasn't really had any chances the last couple of weeks. He had the one against Melbourne Victory, which has been discussed at nauseum about how he missed from what the penalty spot. Mm. But apart from that, I can't think of too many clear chances he's had on goal, particularly in the last two games. I think it's more column A and column B. I think I think both are mutual. Are mutual. To each other that you know, O'Donovan, you know, he's 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 when the opportunity comes, he's not taking them. But I think it's more to do with the service and the game plan as well, not coming out. And basically, he's he's yeah, he's just getting marked out of the game, and yeah, he's just it's just not it's just not happening. And either way, you know, no matter how you look at it, you know, this this long drought of goals, um, it really is um, it is really concerning. And the fact is, I we saw a stat. Um, on social media early in the week that basically Brisbane Raw have been in front for 0.0 something. Uh, well, actually, they haven't been in front yeah, at zero all. Miss. They've been in zero miss. Zero miss, yeah, because yeah. yeah, it was one all in Perth. So they, they have not led a game this season. So um, that tells you that, you know, they, they're, they're either reacting or they just they, they, they can't find that first goal, which is going to give them a lead. So... Look, if they ever, if they did get a lead, I, I would back the the current defence to be able to hold them out, to hold out all the other sides. The problem is, is getting that first goal. Well, so the solutions. I thought that when Dylan went to Horse Cameron to partner Aaron Marty Holloway, there were some signs in that partnership in the last 15, 20 minutes that there's something there, isn't there, with Marty Holloway holding the ball up or providing a physical presence, and Wendell Horse using his pace to make runs off that. I think there's something in that that they can use, not necessarily playing the ball high, long, and direct to Marty Holloway. But just using that as a reference point and players running off him, and that's, is that something that could work? Because it seemed to work reasonably well in the final 20 minutes in Adelaide. When, when you haven't scored in, in three games of football, I think anything is worth a try other than the, the status quo. Because, yeah, look, there were signs um, on that. But, uh, yeah, again, like I, said, I think it's just a case of whatever works at the moment. I think maybe they're overthinking it. Maybe they're, they're playing too much tool game plan. They probably need to, you know, some of the more experienced heads need to start playing. Um, with with more instinct than you know this whole sort of you know slow build up trying to sort of you know build build up and you know break the defence you know from the sides you know and, and yeah maybe that there needs to be more shooting on site maybe that yeah you know more sort of just long balls in you know at, at the moment the performance is again you take away lack of goals and all that and like so I I'm pro contradicting myself but I've said it's about wins and losses but the performance is okay. It's it's not terrible, as as you know, some people seem to seem to claim, but it's it also it's not great. It's, it's somewhere in the middle where you know what there's probably just a little bit of hope where you know what it's working defensively it's going all right, but they've just got to find they've got to find some attacking nows and they've got to also find the back of the net. You're right. Think about the defense. I think the defense has been outstanding. And I'm just wondering if the defense has been the priority almost to a fault to a certain extent where they put so much emphasis on fixing the defence after. In fact, you know what, let's hear what Robbie Fowler had to say about this exact topic in the press conference on Sunday, then we'll talk about it. Well, definitely. I think, you know, when where we are now to what we was last year, you know, Brisbane conceded uh, 71 goals last year. You know, we won't be conceding 71 goals this year. You know, I can, I can guarantee that. You know, we do look, um, we do look solid defensively. Um, we were maybe carved open a little bit in terms of player players' movement, um, but yeah. Other than the, the crossbar, I can't really think. You know, I, I might be I might be wrong, but I can't really think too many times he opened us, uh, other than the goal as well. So uh, yeah, th- th- there's it's a hard one to take. It really is, but I think that there will be positives coming out of it. We, you know, we'll 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 do a lot of video work with the lads this week. Uh, we'll pick them up. Um, you know, and and the good thing about it is we have, you know we have a, another game pretty quick next week. I just probably found they're talking about the comparisons from last year to this. He talked there about not, they're not going to see seventy-one goals again, and I think we'll we'll both co-sign that they won't be anywhere near that bad defensively. But they scored thirty-eight goals last year. 
They've got one goal in four games so far. This need, that's the area that needs addressing now, isn't it? They've fixed the defensive issues really well, and that was a big issue last year, as we saw. But now they need to work on the attacking third, don't they? Yeah, look, I think that's it. I think, I think they've been still so obsessed with almost, you know, to gain the defence right and like, bringing the right players that I think almost the attack sort of, you know, I, maybe they haven't worked on as much, um, or even that trying to transition. Yeah, you know, obviously it's one thing to you know to set up defensively because you know you you want to so you always try and build from the back, but I think I think the issue is the midfield. I think the issue is the midfield, and that's not not having a blame and saying oh that you know the likes of Stephen Mork, Aidan O'Neill, um, in, in particular, uh, are playing badly. It's just I think they might be just. Too defensive minded. I think they're playing too deep. It's not allowing them to be natural to come forward and you know and and to, to you know create more numbers and attack. It's leaving too much for the likes of you know of Joe O'Shea to to sort of create without you know having that sort of backup. And I think it's I think it's, it seems very um, static as far as you've got a defensive four five six you know players at any one time, but then. You know, you're relying on your on basically your front three to do all the attacking, and there's not really much to support. I just think it's just not enough options for the mm. ball. When more can you get the ball? There's not many options for them to yeah. play the ball forward. It's I don't know. It's a catch twenty two. If you push your wing backs far too far yep. forward, you get opened up like they did against Melbourne Victory in round two. But if they're too far back, they're not. They've struggled to provide the attacking option. So that's a such a fine balance that when you play with wing backs that you've really got to get right. I think that's what spooked them. I think it was going all right, and you could have said, you know, after that, after the Perth game going out of the bye, you could have said, you know, it worked. But then after the way that Melbourne just, you know, Melbourne victory just, you know, really, really, you know, created problems for them. I think that it almost spooked them. So, wow, well, we we got to play, you know, you got we got to play the wing backs, you know, basically a lot higher. I'm uh, sorry, a lot deeper, I should say. As opposed as the bows being, you know, that more attacking sort of high, and I think it's it's really stymied their um their their attacking capability. And I think you know it's a case of you know at the moment it may be time to you know maybe figure out some different way or format because they they can't they can't keep playing like this. If they turn out a performance like that, a very dour defensive performance on Sunday against Melbourne City at home in front of what will be you know. What would be a packed crowd? Like, it's not going to be the biggest crowd by number, but the atmosphere is certainly going to be right on top. And they can be too. If they, if they turn out a performance like that where they're just trying to defend from the back and trying to play in the odd hope that they may catch on the counter, you're going to lose that crowd very, very quickly. And you know what? I, you know, I would not blame them because I think it's all right to go away from home and play that sort of counterattack style. But you've got to give your home fans something, and if they put, if they put that same society against Adelaide at Dolphin on Sunday, oh boy, it's not going to be fun, especially if they don't get a result. We'll get to that later on, but they they will get some players back, which again we'll get to later on. But Jordan Courtney Falcons played that left wing back role. He might be someone who can, who can fill that role later on. But we yeah. should talk about Adelaide very quickly. What do you yeah. make of their performance in general? Because I thought the first half they were okay. Second half they probably faded a little bit, which is a bit of a surprise because they had the bye the week before, so they had two weeks to prepare for this game. You would have thought that they would be the team who would run over the top in, the, in this game. But that wasn't the case. It was more so the raw at the end of the game, wasn't it? I think it's um, I think that the data's still out on you know what the effects on teams are after the bye and you know, how they perform and whatnot. It's been a very long time now like, since I've had a bye. So it's not, like I said, it, it can be disruptive. You know, and the only other sort of, you know, I guess you're having 15 days off. It could. It's a bit. It's a bit like I think the only time you can sort of you know equate it is those top those top teams that are going into the second week of the finals, where you know you might be able to catch them off guard because it's a bit sluggish. But look, I thought it was a workmanlike performance. I don't think it's anywhere near their best. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, they they did a job, and um, I, I think you know a bit of luck goes their way that they could have been you know you know had a handy lead at half time and sort of gone on with it. So look, I think they did well. Um, Al Hassan Torre sort of didn't. He didn't obviously get on the score sheet, but he was did well. Um, Miljusnic was was good. Um, yeah, look, there's a... seems all that Riley McGree though was not really he scored two goals in Newcastle. He scored against Melbourne City in the league and in the FA Cup finals. Well, I think he scored the goal from yeah. the weekend. He is really becoming the linchpin of that side, and to me, he's he's their best player, and he's yeah. probably a player who should be representing the national team at some either the under twenty threes or in the senior side because he's had a fantastic start to the season. I think he's. Um, I think he was given a. Um, a pass on the uh, the Oli Ruse, uh, I believe. I think he, he either chose to or 
someone said not not to pick him um so because obviously he he's he's in he's in the mix for the Ollie so I think he's obviously not in this training camp at the moment maybe maybe Adelaide put the foot down and said look you know why are you sending our star player off to for you know what seems to be you know a bit of a man's cup we'll talk about yep. that later um but yeah look he yeah look at the moment him him and um Al-Hassan Toure they're the two sort of leading lights at the moment for Adelaide but look I think they're a very disciplined side um and and yeah look I I think yeah. What, what did surprise me that they did able to keep a clean sheet, maybe because it was a bit of rules inadequacy in attack, but uh, also as well. Look, they defensively they marched up very well and they didn't they didn't give much opportunity. That's that's what we can ask. So I think um, yeah. I think as I said, uh, Gershon van Baker, I don't think he would have been over the moon you know celebrating that. But at the end of the day, it's three points at, at home, and that's yeah, that's all we can ask. You only play what's in front of you. Absolutely. So we'll talk about some of the other games in the now in the weekend now. So Melbourne City Friday night, that's a three one win against Central Coast Mariners. Now we both thought the Mariners would have a real shot in this game. Now I don't know if it was the weather being cold down there in Melbourne or whatever, but it just didn't pan out that way for them, did it? Uh, it's a bit I think it's a bit of both. I think I think a lot I mean, of City it, were really good ones. Yeah, they? yeah. I think City were good and I think they're proving that why they're at the top of of the ladder, you know, despite you know a bit of a hiccup in the FA Cup final. But um, yeah, look, Mariners as well. They, they were a touch disappointing, and um, yeah, maybe, maybe again, it's the maybe the travel from Perth, the high of winning over there, um, and coming coming back via Melbourne. You know, I don't know if they went home. I think so, they stayed in Perth for a couple of days, didn't they? Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure what what they did, but uh, it's sort of told that you know, yeah, it's sort of the second leg of a, of a long sort of road trip, and even even if they did go home to Gosling, go back down, that can great. They 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 weren't great, and I think it's I think that's sort of just. Systematic that hopefully they can sort of bounce back a little bit because that was a, that was a good win in Perth, but I think they might have let themselves down a little bit with on the shorter turnaround. Yeah. Now two sides which are chasing a win at the moment: Newcastle Jets one, Perth Glory one. I mean, this was an entertaining game, but there should have been a winner in this game. Right? We had chances <laughs> that there were, but yeah. Uh, I on the other hand, yeah, we're talking about Perth. I just yeah, I'm. What is what is lots of, lots of, what is going on at Perth? Because last year they were flying and they're playing a pretty similar system at the moment and. We all thought they'd improve their front there with Fornaroli and Fakir, but it's not quite panning out that way so far. That's actually probably one of the mysteries of the season so far. Is that you know again you now they're, they're, they're not they're not terrible like they they're um they're, they're sort of you know, breaking up the points here and there, but um yeah it's not it's not the same it doesn't have the same sort of tempo and rhythm as what uh the what you now the premiership wing side of the previous season are uh, it may be taking a bit of time for you know Fornaroli, Castro, Economides, you know, to to gel as such. Maybe that's where it is. Um because I, I find it hard to believe that you know the losing Jason Davidson now I think that's really the only only sort of real They lost Shane bit, Lowry as well and, and yeah, that's Shane, but they lost a couple of players at the back, but not in that front though. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's sort of, so I hard I find hard to believe that you know that's such an effect. So maybe it's a case of, you know, Fauna in the middle, you know, whereas Keo sort of he built that rapport of time with um, Diego Castro. Maybe it's just a case of look, it's like a lot in the moment, you know, Lum give them time and it'll come good. But yeah, at the moment it's a bit of a mystery why they're not performing. But um look at least uh at least Popper's sons are sort of going all right at the moment. Sorry, Gabriel Popovich may say, but mm. I think that midfield as well with one day and Kilkenny, I'm not, I was never really convinced that was the absolute best midfield combination you could find, but maybe there's a slight issue there. But let's talk about Newcastle. I'm, I can't work Newcastle out. I'm not sure if they're just an unlucky team or what the case is with them. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting one at the moment. I think... Um, I think they're, they're still digging the struggle. I think they'd be a bit, a bit like Brisbane at the moment where, you know, they're not... The promise is there, but it's not really coming together. I think they went all in on Wes Houlihan, um, I, and I think at the moment it's out till the new year. Yeah, and I think at the moment the only sort of real you know spark they have is Demi Petrados. And as good as um, Demi is, I think he's on his own at the moment. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's, a, there's some talented players amongst that. Uh, Arroyo, I need obviously needs some time to develop. Uh, but yeah, look, it's. It's a case of, I think, there also as well. I wouldn't expect much from now. Um, but, but yeah, like so they, they may be a work in progress. But I think, yeah, their, their problem, I think, is more injuries than, you know, the way they're set up or, you know, they're not gelling or anything like that. I just think, yeah, they went all in on Wes Houlihan as their, as their linchpin. And, yeah, with him out, I think that set them back a fair way. Well, speaking of teams not gelling, Western United are most certainly not that case. They had a 2-1 win Saturday night over Western New Wanderers. And this, they're really the story of the year so far to me because we knew very little about them. They played very few games in the lead-up to the season. They weren't involved in the FA Cup. They hadn't played a lot. 
But they're off to a great start, aren't they? And they're once again proving that this issue of taking time to gel, well, it's not an issue for them, is it? I think as well, look, and this is, it's all, almost a way, you know, a reflection on sort of Mark Rudan's done it again. He's, you know, he took a, you know, a ragtag, you know, Wellington Phoenix side and made them, you know, moderately successful. I think for them making the finals is you know, a big achievement. I think at the moment, like, he, he, the, the sort of the magic touches, you know, worked on, um, on Western United as well. Again, it's a case of, you know, will the bubble burst? Can it burst? Um, I just think there's some really, really good players, you know, in that side. You know, Diamante, it's, it's incredible that, you know, think that, you know, he's now, he's now 36 and probably nearing the end of the career. What could he have done for the A-League three years ago for Melbourne Victory if the FFA had a few you know, helped Melbourne Victory out and chipped in the marquee fund? Um, because he he is an outstanding player. Uh yeah, a couple other players that sort of, you know, they lost um, Pangos Kone to, to injuries. That That'd might be a good test, actually, to yep. see how they recover that. Yeah, and uh, also as well, um, look, Scott McDonald as well. You know, he's actually finding you know, finding a bit of form, um, probably probably robbed of, of one. <laughs> but... Well, let's talk about that. So the VAR yeah. had another major impact in the game at the weekend. Well, I've had plenty of rent for oh. the VAR. I don't really feel like going off on another one here today. What did you think of it? I mean, it's just it's the same stuff every week we say about it, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those ones where they, it looks like that the VAR have come armed with extra technology this week. They're trying and you know they're doing ge- geometry on trying to figure out you know you know almost trigonometry to try and figure out you know where the ball crossing. Um, look, at the end of the day, that's all well and good, but if they can't again, if they can't decipher that. Um, they can't suffer that, you know, in under a minute. Then, you know, it's obviously there's, there's enough doubt. And uh, again, we, we we keep on saying the buzzword with VAR touch is clear and obvious, um, and clear and obvious as well at real time. You know, if look again, if if the referee had a given that goal, um, there's no problems because you couldn't you couldn't disprove it. Yeah. So look, it's at the end of the day, I think where the confusion is is that you know is the clear and obvious, um, and yeah, look, and you almost say if a goal had been given. Were they sort of, they looked at the Daniel Lopar incident in the derby and they thought, okay, well, he's done it again. And are they, instead of actually, you know, on the game itself, judging on his merits, are they going on past history? So, yeah, look at the end, I'm, I'm satisfied that, you know, it was given no goal that, you know, they couldn't really overturn it. You know, it didn't, like, there was a still frame where it looked like it completely crossed, but again... There's always working, still frames that prove working, anything. Working angles, and it's not fully 90 degrees to the camera, so it can be deceptive, and you can you can have, you know, different different views on things. So, yeah, look, I, I'm comfortable that was no, it was no goal. And mind you, I think Scott McDonald's unlucky. I, I like Archie, comment, Archie Thompson's comment but about that when uh, when uh, Scott McDonald, in the post-game interview, sort of said, said you know, what did he think? And Archie quit back, well, I would have scored. <laughs> Well, there you so, go. So, well, I would have sent Robbie Slater down there to check it out a full time as well. So that's another uh, issue. But look, no, please, the, no. The VAR, it's a mess everywhere around the world. We all know it. Let's just move on to yeah. Sunday afternoon, Melbourne Victory 1, Wellington Phoenix 1. Pretty good point mm. away from home for Wellington Phoenix, but Victory again, dropping points at home. I know I've talked about it on the show before. I think Marco Kurt's going to start coming in some real trouble, real pressure shortly, I should say, in terms of the, there's not, the results aren't there for that football club in terms of what they expect. And if he, they don't start picking up points soon, it could be big trouble for him, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, look, um, after that performance, I know, I know there's injuries, um, but yeah, you've got to remember this is Melbourne victory. Yeah. This is a fan base, the biggest fan base in the country. Um, they did not like failure. And for them, they've been looking at it as far, even though it was a point, it was a point against Warrington Phoenix, where they had to, they had to fight hard to get back there. And it was a brilliant goal again. Like we, we keep on singing the praises of uh, Old Toivon and, you know, I feel kind of bad in a way because, you know, you don't want to be praising Melbourne Victory too much. But he, you know, like I said, again, I think it was mentioned in the call on Sunday, where would Victory be without Old Toivon? No, no, that's well, it's yeah. basically, and that's basically, you know, what it comes down to is that, you know, he's keeping sort of, you know, well in this. And I think the side, yeah, the form line, you know, when they did beat Brisbane, you know, even though it was 1-0, fairly sort of convincingly up here, that hasn't really translated since. And I think, yeah, a, a couple of losses coming up, you know, and not picking up points, and that, that lead, lead bunch, so breaking away, yeah, I think Marco Kurtz is going to at least come under some scrutiny. I don't, I, I don't believe that, you know, any club really will unilaterally sack a coach after, you know, after you know, six weeks to a month, to, to two months of football, I don't think that, that perhaps in the country, I don't think gaining anything. But I'll give you um, a couple of examples where it's happened. But anyway, 
Not in the A-League. I can. Oh, a okay. certain club sacked the championship winning coach six games after winning a grand final. That was the last time. <laughs> yes, it was. That, well, that was, that was you know, how long ago yeah. was that? You know, yeah, it doesn't happen in the A-League yeah. these days. But look, it would not stop mm. you know, the fan base getting on top of him. You know, and mm. and, that, and that's, that's, never, that's never a good sign, especially when it's that large a fan base. So, so yeah, look, um, they, need, they need to find some performances soon. They might, they'll get some trips back. Um, but but yeah, it's it really is no not a, not the greatest uh, time at the moment for the victory. I think they gave Mehmet Drakovic until about January as well, so they gave him time. Mm-hmm. He's probably the best case example for oh be, best comparison for where coaches at the moment. So he's got yeah. plenty of time still to get it right. Now we normally take a break here, but James is away, so we're going to decide what to. We decide not. We're not taking a break, so <laughs> we'll move on with the news segment. Starting off with look, every national team involved in the Australian team has been involved in action or will be in action in the next seven days. So we'll go through some of those now. We'll start. With the materials, before we do, let's go with a bit of breaking news. It's Samantha Kerr. The long, the long rumored move to Chelsea has finally been confirmed. She'll be at Chelsea for the next two and a half years, playing her try, playing her trade in England. It's a fantastic move for her, isn't it, Adam? It is. Um, look, it's disappointing for the for the W League, uh, football in this country. But you know what? It, it, you know, well done, Sam Kerr. You know, she look. She's just clearly you know in the best players. Uh, in in the world in the women's football at the moment, and you know it's it's uh, I didn't read any figures on what her contract's worth anything like that. I don't think it really matters to be honest. Um, and and also tying in with that as well, that it's an almost I don't think it's coincidental. But now now the Optus Sport will actually be yes. showing um, the the. Uh, Oh, it was the women's the, the uh, women's league in yeah. the UK? English so the English league. So I, could, I couldn't yeah. think of the name of it. Um, it wasn't for the Premier League. I know that much. Um, but yeah, so so that that all ties in now. So at least we'll be able to um, at least if those who have access to Optus can keep an eye on Sam Kerr's progress. You know, over in England. But yeah, two and a half, half years. I think I think you know she, obviously it might take a bit of time to find her feet. You know, for the rest of this season. But you know, obviously there's... Certainly time, you know, especially post-Olympics, where she again yeah. can focus on her club career. You mentioned it's a loss to the league, and it absolutely is, but I think it's something the league is going to have to get used to over the next couple of years. Not only is the women, the Matildas become even held in even higher regard internationally than some of these other nations around the world, some of these European leagues are now really stepping up their involvement in women's football. And as that happens, these European super clubs that you see at the top of the men's game, they're going to be coming to the top of the women's game as well. And there's going to be opportunities... For for Australian players to go over there and play those clubs and look, it's a you can't begrudge them that right. I mean, it's a short career for all players, and if there's to test yourself at that level, it's certainly something that a lot of these players I think will be trying or will be tempted to do in the next couple of years. So we may very well see even further players to play in the W League. Well, like I said, you have you have us, you have Sam Kerr at Chelsea now, you have Emily Gilnick at uh, Bayern Munich, Chloe Lagarzo at Lecco Madrid. There's a few younger players over there as well. Lisa Devanna's playing. Oh, sorry, well. sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I meant Chidiak, not Legazzo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Lisa Devanna at Fiorentina. Um, look, so that that seems to be the trend, and I think that's going to be increasingly. I think, and I think it, it's it's good in, in one way. Obviously, you know, you want our best players playing at the very highest level that they can. I think that's that's been the try and true format for for you know the Socceroos back you know in the golden generation around two thousand six. You know that our best players are playing the trade in Europe at unfortunately, at the behest of the local leagues. But then again, it also is an opportunity for the players that are left here in the in the W League. The, the great thing is that now you've got some quality you know, international players still playing this league, and that's a test of Like I said, Caitlin Ford would probably be the next one I'd, I'd suggest that. She has a big season, what we predicted last yeah. week um, in our on our uh, preview show, mm-hmm. that, um, look, she may be next to, you know, obviously catch the eye of, you know, a big European club. There's, there's plenty out there that are really sort of looking, you know, we may see a, we may see a, a, a uh, Australian player at, at Lyon, which is, you know, I think that's, that's the pinnacle. They're, they're, the, they're the benchmark in Europe. Well, it's, it's, it's more options for them, isn't it? Now, yeah. those doors in Europe are now absolutely yeah. open to players to go over there and play at the top clubs and play at the highest level. So that door is open. I think we're going to see a number of players take that route now. We'll talk about the games at the weekend. Well, the first game at the weekend at Banquist Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Two two goals to one for Australia against Sam Kerr with a brace. But the, we'll get to the game in a minute. But the the record break crowd just over twenty thousand. Fantastic, isn't it? Great momentum built in the week last week with the equal pay announcement, and they really capitalised on that with a fantastic crowd on Saturday afternoon. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, and on a weekend where the A League attendances was not great. 
And I think that's putting it very diplomatically. Um, that's probably the shining light uh, that, you know, 20,000, new, a new record. And look, the dream is not, it's not that far away where, you know, the, where the Matildas will be rating, you know, will be drawing attendance almost on par with the um, with the Socceroos. I they outdrew the Socceroos when they had their game in Canberra. It's probably, I think they only had 18,000, so that was a high did. crowd again. Obviously, there's um, many factors yeah, where, course, yeah. you know, old Tuesday or Wednesday night or wherever it was in Canberra versus, you know, versus, you know, a balmy spring, you know, Saturday afternoon at Bankwest Stadium. Um, look, it's probably, you probably say, yeah, you can't say, oh, it, Matildas are... Uh, Outrating, but you know, certainly it, it's showing good signs. Even, even, um, and we'll get to it in a sec. The crowd uh, in Adelaide last night as well, That's I think, just it was over still, 10, yeah. it's a highly respectful crowd on a weeknight. In on South a weeknight, Australia. yes. And like I said, in, in a small stadium, um, yeah, look, it's it really is, um, you know, going well for them, and it justifies all the effort that went in for the PFA and and, every, and everyone else involved about getting that, you know, that equal pay deal. Because like I said, this is the first step of saying, you know what, this is justified. And I think there's a few other FAs around the world who are looking at that deal as something of a blueprint. But we'll talk about the games on the field. So we'll like yep. you mentioned the result last night against Chile. It was, what, 1-0 straight over to Chile last night. That was a not quite the same sort of performance as we saw on Saturday, was it? I think it was a little more fluid on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think they, they came out with um, a game plan where the best, sort of their, their best, almost their best side possible, you know, played a lot of minutes um, on Saturday and... Yeah, look, it drew the result. I think a bit, bit disappointed that they, they conceded late in the game. Um, and look, and that's the thing is that they're not, they said they're not going over the top and say, oh, it's a great winner. They can, they can improve. They can, they yeah. can certainly improve, but you know, it's a good pop opener for them, you know, with the Olympic qualifier next year. But also as well, I think last night's result, I think they got the win, um, but still, again, uh, a lot to work on. Yeah, well, there's a lot to work on. There's also positives as well. We'll start with one, the biggest positive for me, which is the debut of Jenna McCormick starting with, Starting on Saturday afternoon alongside Claire Balkinger, I thought she was absolutely brilliant and just justifies all the things that people have been saying about Jenna should have been in that side a long time ago and then came on at halftime to partner Alana Kidd. And I thought that was important as well because you need, if Jenna is going to force her way into this squad, you've got to be able to work well with multiple different players. And looking ahead to the Olympic squad, they'll probably only take three centre backs. So you've got to be able to partner well with both of them, and I think that was a really good test. Oh, look, Alex I think she's brilliant. As she well. was outstanding. She yeah. was outstanding. We, I think we, I know we advocated very, very heavily on this show. <laughs> we uh, we, look, we can't, we more can't more. Like, so we're going to take all the credit. There's a lot of people that saw yeah. the same thing, and you know, and thankfully she got she got opportunity. And I, I think she she actually is a different type of centre back that we haven't had. Look, with all due respect to to Claire Polkinghorne, who's you know been the heart of that defence for a long time as well, but she adds a different level that physicality, which I don't think the women's game yet has really. Survived. I'd love to see her against you know some of the better you know strikers in the world and see and see and, and she getting physical with them you know and and so really so i reckon that might actually ruffle a few feathers you know the way that just just her her strength you know to be able to sort of stand and you know really sort of give no quarter and also as well she actually is you know, she she actually set up the um the first goal um for um if for Sam Kerr, where she where she did nothing more than just sort of drew a defender away to give Sam Kerr so she she is causing I think her height, her strength, I think it's it's really a different dimension that, you know, where the Matildas, I think they'll land at the World Cup because they weren't great defensively. Um, and especially they had injuries at the back, and that was they the did. problem. They had injuries yep. at the back in the build-up, and they brought in another player who didn't fill that role. But yeah. I, I think, um, you're right, Jenna might need to test herself. But again, not playing AFLW this year gives her the opportunity to probably try and get a contact in the NWSL over there in the States, which I imagine they'll be... On this evidence, numerous clubs looking at, but with the Matildas, it could even come down to a bit of a, a straight-up battle between Melbourne Victory centre-backs between Jenna and Laura Alloway for that backup position. Because again, yes, there's 23 players in the qualifying, which is in, in February and in the World Cup. But at the Olympics, it's only 18, mm. so you're probably not going to take four centre-backs. So it could come down to a battle between those two players in terms of who can win the who can win the fate of Ante Milicic going into Tokyo, assuming that they get there? Look, I think all, I think all spots are up for grabs. Look, um, because it was noticeable in the game against, in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the game on Saturday, when Jenna McCormick came off, all of a sudden, Chile were starting to, you know, starting to make some inroads in the defence. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, 
Claire, Pokemon had a bad game or anything like that, but it's, a, it's just a different style game. I think she seems to bring real steel to, to this uh, side. And yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not certainly not saying she's going to be the first one picked as far as the defensive. I just think it's all up for grabs at the moment. I think, yeah, 18 places um, in that squad, there is going to be massive competition places. Also, you know, it's worth mentioning, you know, I thought um, Ellie Carpenter as well yeah. was was really, really good in, but across both games. Um, me personally, I still think that she's probably a better, you know, right winger than right, um, right back. But look, she does the job. You know, she's she's always going. And look, she had a great game in um, in Adelaide last night. So look, I think she's she's going well. And um, look, she she if her form continues, she could be you know, the number of games she plays for the Matildas. That could be a record that's going to stand for a very long time. Absolutely, sort of up to about 40, 50 games mm. now. She's only just around that just not 19. 20, 19. So yeah. quickly, let's talk about this penalty issue with the Matildas. We saw Sam Kerr's penalty was saved last night. There were issues at the World Cup. Issues right back to the Rio twenty sixteen. Is this because this is becoming a real issue now, is it? Not that they're not capable of converting, of course they are. It just seems to be they're not going, not being converted often enough. Yeah, and at the end of the day, especially, it's all well and good, you know, in a friendly, you know, like you know, Sam Kerr's actually human. Um, oh, it but, doesn't matter about last Yeah, night, yeah, no, no, but, no, no, but the no, that's because I know, I know Emily Van Egmont's had her struggles. Um, there's a couple other notable ones, uh, Katrina Gori, I know, has, still probably has the, the uh, missed penalty in... Um, at the Olympics, still, yeah. you know, sort of on a conscious. Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly something I think that you know they shouldn't ignore as far as you know in the practice, especially going into a major tournament, especially when they're expected, they're expected to go to the knockout stages. Um, that's something they really need in their in their kit that you know to be able to have you know five reliable strikers. And look, it may it may come just on confidence alone. But it's something, yeah, that it is a bit of a, um, I wouldn't call it a red flag, but it is a bit of a concern that, you know, maybe that they need to sort of, you know, give just a little bit more focus to. Yep, soccer is very quickly there in action Friday morning against Jordan, the final qualifier of 2019. Look, this has been a tough out for the Socceroos in recent times. They've obviously struggled as they recently. Do you think this will be, a, I think this will be a tough test, but I think they will get through it this time. What do you think? It'll be a tough test, no doubt. Jordan, see, Jordan will have the same thoughts if they're going to finish top of the group, this is a game where they need to make inroads on the Socceroos. But also as well, with that said, if the Socceroos can win in Oman, they're, they're through. Yeah. Barring major disaster, dropping points where they really shouldn't, you know, probably almost it would probably cost Graham Arnold his job. So this this really has actually come up, um, this is a huge game, you know, as far as, this, as, as far as Group B, because I think, you know, Jordan can, can really serve you know, prolong. This or Socceroos can pretty much, you know, almost put the key in the rack and say, you know what, provided we get the results that we should, you Just know, the rest of the way. Any sort of result over there is probably yeah. going to be look at enough. Look, I, I personally think um, if, we're, if we're giving out predictions, I think it'll be a draw. Um, but yeah, look, I think there's a, there's a lot riding on this. I think this is a, this is a big qualifier. Yeah. Good out there with a result, and then you can move on to the game to 2020. Now, some of the junior national teams, the under 17 side, they went down 4 0 to France. After we recorded last week, look, they're out now. That was a good result for them into the round 16 for the first time in a while for them. The um, under-19 side, they've they've progressed to the AFC under-20 tournament next year. 6-0 win over... 2-0 draw with Laos, beg your pardon. 6-0 over Macau and a 5-0 win over Chinese Taipei. Yeah, that, the draw with Laos is yeah. a bit of a concern, but at the end, they through. Do you, I would imagine there's going to be a few players from that Joey side that made the round 16 at the World Cup. They're probably yeah. going to move into that. So maybe even from Brisbane's perspective, a John Courtney Perkins and Isaac Powell might move into... To this side, wouldn't you imagine? I yeah, them then definitely. Um, I also look at someone like a Noah Bottich, yeah. I think is who who started the um, World Cup for the under seventeen. Just quickly going back to the under seventeen World Cup in Brazil. Yep. Look, um, no dis- no disgrace um, no. going down four 0 to France. You know, uh, the striker Mbuku, he he's a real talent. Um, we said I mean, there could be a future Golden Boot winner in there for France, and he might be the one. Yeah, yeah, he's a re- he's already he's already playing league one. Mm-hmm. First start dream, so he, he's he's a really really good talent. So it's it's no disgrace to to go down like to go, they beat Nigeria, um, which was that the, being the five time world champions. That was a great effort. Look, I think there's plenty of potential in this side. Um, like I just said, Noah Bottich, There's a few other players as well that you know. I think as well. I think going back to the under 19s yeah, you could you could postulate that a lot of these players might graduate sooner rather than later to, into into that uh, under twenty world. Uh, Asian Championship yeah. next year. I think there's a bit of continuity in the coaches as well. Some of the assistants, if you coach at the under-17s, it's assistant at the 20s, so there's continuity in that way, which probably allows for that. Now, yeah. the Oli Roos, they're over in China at the moment for a three-game, essentially friendly tournament, building up to Tokyo 
2020, Al Hassan Toure is the headline act in that. But from a Brisbane perspective, Conor O'Toole is over there, so he won't be available on Sunday. But it's it's a, it's a building step for them, isn't it? Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think all eyes will be on Al Hassan Toure. I think he's you know, probably one of the shining stars in the league at the moment, you know, belying his age, you know. So, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. Again, you know, what take what you take from it as far as, you know, it's a, it's a friendly tournament. Um, yeah, you expect them to go all right, but, again, unless they get blown out, you know, in all three games, you, you wouldn't really worry too much. It's more about getting the continuity, getting the, more, sort of the minutes and the legs. So the last, the last, certainly not least, national team involved in this is the young Matildas. Now, they've unfortunately not qualified mm. for the Under-20 World Cup next year. They had a semi-final defeat to Japan, seven goals to nil, and then in the third-place playoff, they went down to South Korea as well. So it didn't quite go to plan for them, did it? Pool, that's that's putting it that's putting it mildly. Not go to plan. This is um, yeah, this is disaster. This is absolute disaster. Um, look, yeah, they they won a couple of games in the group. They got through the semi-finals, but yeah, you can't, you cannot, you just cannot be losing. It's more the score lines. The than score the lines. Um, yeah, look, they they're not good. Um, they're not good. Look, and, that's, and, the, and the real red flag on this is that if you're losing at this level, at that, at that age group, seven, seven to Japan, eight goals to, um, to South Korea, they, they lost 5-1 to North Korea, who are the other team in that, also, in qualified, final, yeah. also qualified for the uh, World Cup. That, that's, a, that's, genera- that's, that's a generational problem. Um, Look, the good thing is the Matilda side is so young, you might be able to cover that anyway. Exactly, yeah. And look, and, and you could probably argue that, you know, if you have, like, Adele Carpenter in that side, it probably does change. And she's obviously, you know, 45 cap senior Matilda, so you're not going to drag her back for something like that. And there's Mary Fowler, I think, you know, she's probably one of the few that probably covered herself in glory if you called that. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a real red flag because you've got to imagine that, you know, the Japanese, the South Korean under 19 goals, they're just going to get better and better. And one day, this is, you hope that this doesn't translate into what happens at the senior level. Yeah. I think as well that you know, maybe the only thing I sort of thought about this a bit is that maybe the pathway for Australia is not the academy scholarship sort of centralised format. Maybe the best way forward is for the, for the best, for their best players to go play in Europe, to go play in North America and, you know, apply their trade and then come back together. And maybe that's how they'll stay competitive. That's how they'll pick up their skills as opposed to the Japanese, which is a very acad- academic centralized system. And obviously it's benefiting the, res- benefiting the results at junior level. But again, will that translate for them into senior football? So yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to ignore. You want to say, yeah, look, it's not great, but we'll move on um, as well. But for Leah Blaney as well, it's, it's a disastrous start to her um, her coaching um, career as at under-19s or under-20 level. It's not great, is it? But we'll move on. Now, the W League kicks off this weekend. Now, we won't go into it in too much detail this week because the Brisbane Roar are not in action due to a bye. We did have a full season preview, which we recorded last week. I encourage you all to go back and listen to that. Now... Round one games, Western Sydney v Adelaide, Sydney vs Melbourne Victory, Canberra vs Perth and Newcastle vs Melbourne City. I imagine the standout game there is Sydney vs Melbourne Victory, the, the champions vs the premiers. Yes, that's uh, head, and, head and shoulders above probably the better standout game. Um, uh, yeah, look, and, and look, the I guess I guess the, the early four, I know it's the first game of the season, but um, I think we might get some indications about where you know, those two sides have you know, big ambitions. We'll see. We'll see where they're where they're at. Um, also, as well, but I wouldn't take my eyes off uh, Western Sydney and Adelaide tomorrow night. I think, I think uh, on as per recording Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. Because um, yeah, again, I think uh, Western Sydney obviously they've they've recruited uh, well as far as you know. They've got some, you know, some Americans have come across from the um, NW, NWSL champion yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina Courage. Um, and Adelaide, I think they haven't really done much as far as recruitment goes. But I think the core that side, um, again, trying to um, cover over uh, Veronica Latsko going to Sydney. Um, and obviously as well, the uh, and Mary Fowles you know, stepping into that role. You know, she had a, you know, she had a good tournament in uh, Thailand. Let's see now against you know, at club football at senior level. Now, with the Brisbane Roar, I think this buy comes at the absolute perfect time. I know you don't really like a buy in round one, but having this one right now probably works beautifully for them because you've got the players now coming back from international duty. They now have a full week to prepare for this game. Not just the Matildas, you've also got those studio, Molly Palmer and India Page Riley coming back from Asia in the other 20s as well. So it gives that whole squad now a full week to prepare for that game against Melbourne Victor, which is a massive game against the Premiers last year. It's a, 
I think it's probably one of the ideal times to have a buy. Yeah, look, I think um, very, I think very, very quietly, I think uh, Jake Goodship would be happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also as well, it's an extra week of climatisation. You know, obviously a, a couple of key signings, uh, a couple of re-signings. Yep. Suppose that yeah. really, I think um, with what we're alluding to is uh, Celeste Beret is yep. back. We we actually said on the on the previous show that we didn't think she'd be back. No, um, we didn't obviously, think she'd be back, obviously the no. signing of Elise Cullen Knight, we thought not so. So also for the Raw to sign her as well. The guy, it's great options in midfield, isn't it? It is, um, and also as well. Again, we talk about versatility. Um, you're not you're not relying you know, now on you know, at least Cal not being at number six. You've got number six in the past. She can you know strengthen that back line. We we asked the question: Who's going to partner um, Claire Polkinghorne? You know, it might be her. Like I said, it might be at least Cal Knight. You know, playing inside of Carson Pickett. So it really is starting to come together on paper for the Raw. We've got to see it happen on the pitch. But, yeah, I think um, their, their stocks rose significantly on the back of that signing on Friday. So they're in action Thursday week at Dolphin Stadium yeah. on victory in round two of the WWE. Now we'll move on to talk about the Wild, which also kicks off this weekend. Now Brisbane Raw, they're in action on Saturday morning. It's the first game of the season against the Melbourne Victory. 10 a.m. kickoff at Eric Evans Oval out there in Ipswich. Oh, it's, yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's been a tough, tough one for people to get out to. So, yeah. look. Chris Grossman steps up to this side's coaching. Obviously, Jake Goodship was coaching it in the NPL Queensland. He's moved on to the W League side. It's an opportunity now for Chris Grossman to step up from the assistant role, isn't it? Yeah, look, um, and look, he did, he did a, a fairly good job as assistant also as well. He's players trade coaching the under-20s in, in the NPL Queensland competition as well. So he'd be familiar with a lot of these these players. So I think, again, it's a case of, you know, continuity as far as he's got the promotion, you know, on the back of Jake Goodship being the promotion to the women's uh, side. So, yeah, look, I, look, having a look at the squad, you know, I, I you know, we are, we are, we have the benefit of being very familiar with a lot of these players that maybe that others don't have that insight yeah. on. But uh, look, it's a very, very good side. I think as well, if you add a couple of players that aren't, weren't named in the initial side because of their senior yeah. contracts, if they come back and play, it, I reckon they'll be one of the um, strong chances to, to defend the title. We'll get to some of those players potentially yeah. in a minute. But there's only two players in the full squad who are back from the grand final. It's Emma Wellsmore and Merz Moradovich. All the rest have either moved on to other opportunities or they've been promoted into the A-League squad. But this is a group which essentially came through in the second half of the last yeah. of the NPL, isn't it? Yeah, that... They that, came through in about June, July sort of time, didn't Yeah, they? that and also as well, um, a couple of key signings. And again, we're... Yeah, yeah, Jackson Simpkin comes in from the yep. Brisbane City as the um, New Zealand Youth International at that Under-17 World Cup, joined by Keegan Yelichich, who was in that squad as well from Lions, and Marcus Walters, who I know you really want to talk about as a young player who had a fantastic year. Yeah. Brisbane City. That's three really key additions to that side, isn't it? Yeah, look, Marcus, Marcus Walters, he basically uh, he, he led the line for the second half of the season for Brisbane City at senior yeah. level. And, look, he, he is a you know, young you know, a young prospect that you know, has plenty... Mm-hmm. Yeah, has plenty of upside as well. I think him, his partnership with uh, Mirza Muradovic, if they play two up front, um, could be interesting. Um, also, as well, just looking at the attackers as well, um, I'm, I have a very sort of uh, high opinion of Solomon Wildemarum. He, he showed in the NPL Queensland yeah, that he's talented. He's very young though, isn't he? He is, yeah. So he, he's probably, I wouldn't say that he would get much game time, at least initially. Um, I think it's more of a learning experience to him. Braden Doolan's another one who's very young, who who came through in that, in that MPL Queensland senior side, um, and also as well um, a bit of an unknown as far as as raw sort of so much as um, Kaitapaldo, who actually who actually played sort of the back half of the season, played a couple of games for the uh, MPL Queensland uh, Grand Final winning Gold Coast Knights. Absolutely, so another good young player from that. Now, there will be some players who come into this side from the A-League. So, obviously, the goalkeeper, Macklin Frank, probably will be the first choice in this side. Aaron Reid and Kai True and Jordan Courtney Perkins, Isaac Powell, Rambadak Barrow, they may all be involved in this squad over the over the course of the season at varying points. And I think also one that we need to talk about is Jack Hingott will probably be playing on Saturday and maybe a few more games as he makes his recovery from his ACL injury. We did, we did have an off-the-record conversation with, with Jack um, a few weeks ago. and that Which will now bring on the record. Yeah, now we're putting it on the record. <laughs> that, um, yeah, the, yeah he, he does need minutes at the moment. So, look, he may he may start. And, you know, you had a couple of those players, in, even 
obviously we know Jack some of Vetch them will yeah but yeah look you had those those players to that side and look you got some great young players coming through you know we skipped over you know the likes of Dante Mariner or Harry Talbot as well um they've really grown the last 12 months yeah and even even Oscar Woods who who's come come back from England yep. um there, there's a lot of potential in this side and yeah and it's like almost almost embarrassment riches I think it's just shows the strength of the Brisbane Royal Academy at the moment and um, and yeah, look, I, they will start very very strong yeah. favourites against Melbourne. Because I would be I'd be stunned if they were if they were beaten on on us on Saturday morning. Yeah. Drew Sherman's Melbourne victory, of course. Now it's the it's the highly mm-hmm. underrated Brisbane Royal Academy because Melbourne yeah. City and West Sydney Wanderers get all the attention, given the young players that they bring through into the league side. Yeah. So would you? I would I would imagine this side as always will be right there with Melbourne City, won't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In terms of, that, in terms of conference A, in terms of you play against. I'll play the two Melbourne sides, Adelaide and Perth. You'd imagine it'd be Brisbane and Melbourne City fighting it has that grand final spot. Traditionally, for the last few years, um, it has been the, the fortunes of that conference runs through either Brisbane Raw or Melbourne City. Uh, Perth Glory this year, I've I seen their squad. They, they look very threadbare at the moment. I know um, from a, I guess, former Brisbane Raw player, Bryce Bafford is in that squad. Um, Adelaide, look, I think with. You know, obviously they've proven they can produce one or two decent players, you know, for that. But I think they, they again might be in a rebuilding phase. And Melbourne Victory as well, I think they're rebuilding. So I, I reckon the two, the head-to-head games against um, Melbourne City and Brisbane Royal, I think that will determine who goes to that grand final in early February. Well, we'll have to wait. So hopefully the young Royal girl continue on what they did last year. And also in the NPL where they had a record points tally. All right, so now we'll move on to the final part of the show. We'll talk about the A-League Round 6. Melbourne City, Sunday afternoon at Dolphin Stadium. Stats, played 29, won 10, Britain won 10, lost 14, drawn 5. Now, an interesting one is these two, when these two sides have played early in the season, this was the game two years ago and last year that Brisbane picked up their first final season. That was round 7 in 2017-18 and round 5 last year. We'll talk about it in a minute whether it will be 3-for-3, three three, but that's one of those funny sort of stats, isn't it? Yeah, it's like um, Melbourne City comes to comes up here and plays the raw into form and gives uh, the manager of the day um, a bit of confidence. So, um, yeah, but the only difference between those Melbourne City sides and this Melbourne City side is that this one is ahead by three points on the ladder. Yeah, this one's a bit better on those two sides, and, isn't it? Yeah, and also, you know, coach very, very shortly, I think Eric Mombart's, I think he, he certainly brings some of his wealth of experience, you know, internationally as a coach, you know, Obviously, I think he really sort of, you know, and really, we would have, on paper, we thought that this Melbourne Seaside may struggle a bit. You take out Jamie McLaren, who was, you know, scoring all the goals, and you thought, oh, geez, this is there, where's the goals going to come from? But they've really, they've really managed. So, look, I'd like to think that Brisbane Raw, you know, might, you know, be able to find something to come back. But yeah, this is not a Melbourne Seaside to be taken lightly. Well, we'll move on in a minute. We'll talk about that results swipe prediction in a minute. Now, it's the first game at Dolphin Stadium for the Raw in terms of the A-League. I mean, it's the fourth venue they've hosted an A-League ground at. We'll see if anyone at home can work out the other three. One of them's pretty obvious. Can you remember the other two? But, uh, <laughs> uh, don't spoil it. No, oh, it's not, it's not for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, what are your expectations? I think it'll be a pretty close to full crowd there at Dolphin Stadium and what will be, hopefully, a terrific atmosphere. I would hope that it's a sellout. No, um, I think it's pretty close at the moment. Yeah, I think so. It's like I said, it's, it's restricted numbers, obviously. Um, but look, nine nine thousand, maybe pushing ten thousand um, at that ground, as as we've seen a couple of times um, when Melbourne City have been at Dolphin, which is almost in a way it's for them. They've actually got a great record at Mel, at, at Dolphin Stadium as far as events. Yeah, two anyway. for two, you're right. Yeah. So um, they they saw this will not go with any fears uh, going going to Dolphin, but as we know, we've we've seen um, at Dolphin that you know even now if there's eight nine thousand, it's going to be a rocking atmosphere, and I think that's you know I think that's what they're relying on. I think is is that you know it, whereas you know at Suncorp Stadium on Sunday afternoon, it can be sparse, it can be not, but I think you know the crowd crowd might play a major factor, especially, and I think visually it's going to look good. It will. And I think the only thing that'll stop it being a full crowd is the weather issues around the state and also the country at the moment. And my best wishes go out to all the people affected by those fires. At the Absolutely moment. not. I, I forgot to mention, you know, during you know during our A League preview as well. You know, congratulations to um, the Red and Black Block as well, who are who are actually fundraising for the fires. And you know, as I said, we um, we pay tribute to the firefighters out there who are you know, giving up their time to you know, protect. The homes of um of of everyone you know out in the bush during you know, this this time. You know, I'm not going to debate no, why it's no, happening. We're not going into any of that. No, we're not getting into that. Um, I've already 
uh, upset no, one friend of mine on that. So we'll just, say, we'll just say we wish everyone all the best. And also congratulations to the RBB for their yeah. for their work that they're doing. We'll move back onto the yeah. game now. How are Brisbane going to score a goal in this game, Adam? That's the question I think everybody wants an answer to. How are they going to put the ball in the back of the net in this game? It's funny that I think that it might be a case of they've just got to win somehow, just by any means necessary. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's what it comes down to at the moment. I, I think a goal is as good as gold at the moment. I think, uh, you know, 270 minutes without a goal, then it's not like that they're, they're only creating seldom chances. And I think they might need to they might need to make some changes, especially those that may be a little bit left field, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but yeah, look, if they if they go on the same eleven, I reckon you know you'd almost bet on Melbourne City, you know, you know, getting a shutout because I think they'll be ready for it. I think they'll they'll know what to expect. So I think it's it, it's on Robbie Fowler to try and mix yeah. it up, to try and do something different, just to by any means necessary this week. Is yep, by all means necessary. Performance has been good as you mentioned about yep. the season, but at this point, it's one of those things for the sake of the season. By any means necessary. They have to get a result. I think, just get a, on the score sheet I think it's just for the sake of the sanity of the 9,000 people that are going to be there on a Redcliffe on Sunday. I think because, again, you know, when you're away from home, it's perfectly acceptable to go there to a certain extent and, you know, and play counter-taking football and try and catch them on the break. At home, you've got to entertain the crowd as much as that. I know we say, and I'm, I'm the biggest one for saying it, a result is a result no matter how you get it. But when you haven't scored for three games and having looked like scoring... You've got to try and sort of, you know, and, and throw caution into the wind, you know, by any means necessary. All those other cliches, yeah. they just need to find the ball in the back end. Now, yeah. Even if they even they end up getting beaten, I think at least getting a goal, breaking that deadlock, mm-hmm. you know, that drought, I think that's, that's the key to it all. Now, would you make any, would you, just a two-part question, would you make any changes to this side and do you expect any? Because obviously, John Courtney Perkins, he's now back from international duty. He was the first choice almost at left wing back in the, the preseason. He might come into the frame. There might be a change in the front third, Aaron Muddy Holloway or Dylan Wenzel Hall. Do you expect to see any changes or do you reckon it will actually be the same 11 once again? I think they'll make one change. I think you, I think you know that if assuming he's come back and he, he's right after a very, very long trip from Brazil, I think Jordan Courtney Perkins mm-hmm. you know, goes to uh, left back pro for left wing back probably which shifts um, McCoy, McCoy Gillespie into the back three and Bowles, and Daniel Bowles into yeah. the bench. Um, maybe Aaron Marty Holloway in for Brad Inman, mm-hmm. but I think that will be a center. I think a lot of the, um, unfortunately, a lot of the Dylan Windsor Halls fan club, I think they, I think he can be disappointed again. I, I don't think he'll start just yet. I don't think he's, I think Roy Donovan will start with Aaron Marty Holloway and maybe see, and then maybe yeah. after 60 minutes he'll, that you know they'll unleash um, Dylan Windsor Halls, but I, I think there may be two changes. That's the two changes I'm thinking. Is yeah, I want Courtney Perkins in at left wing back with Scott Neville moving back into the back three, and I think Amadi Holloway will start in place of Brady. And I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if they started off with that O'Donovan and Amadi Holloway duo up front because if we saw it in preseason, it worked okay. We haven't seen enough of it in the A League. But you know what? I also want to be surprised. Now, that's and that, I think more importantly, they want a surprise. Melbourne City because I think if they if they set up and play normal style I think I think Eric Mombart is too smart a manager just to a coach I should say to just you know to be quite great. he will have a game plan mm-hmm. and if they if Raw produce the same sort of stuff as they have the last three games as they come off the bye um, yeah they'll just shut them down and it will just yeah, it'll be a very very dull Sunday afternoon at Redcliffe and I don't think anyone wants to see that no no one wants to see that now Eric Mombart has his own issues to deal with you mentioned Jamie McLaren he's unavailable with injury. Rami Nasri and Connor Metcalf and Tom Glover, they've all been called up to the Oli Roos squad this week. So that's, that's two players there in particular, Nasri and Metcalf, who've been absolutely mm. brilliant for them so far. That That's going to going to create holes from the field, but they've also got a couple of visa players on the bench who haven't really featured yet. So this may be an opportunity for those guys to come in and, and show what they can do. So you think um, uh, Lunar will come in? Yeah, he, he big on the score sheet the, the other night. I think he started on Friday night. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, I must have must missed that. Um, obviously, well, obviously, we're looking to continue on. Um, yeah, look, I think, I think with Melbourne City, I think it's a very, very even side. I think yeah, basically the players that are out, I think they can be covered, and and I think I think they, they will pose they'll pose a strong threat. Yep. So we'll. Give a prediction for that adjustment. We've got other games to speak of Friday. There's only three games this week because of the international break. Wellington, Western Sydney and Perth all have the bye. So Friday night, Central Coast to the Adelaide. Saturday, Western United for Newcastle. And Sunday, 
If Sydney FC beat Melbourne Victory, I think that's probably of the three games, that's the game I think everyone's going to be looking at. It's the the first big blue of the season, but it's also a game that Melbourne Victory really do need to win. And I did see reports in the last 24 hours that they may very well be rushing back Robbie Cruz for this game, which is a risk in its own sake, but it also shows you where they're at right now in terms of needing a result. They, If they get beaten comfortably by Sydney FC, it's just bad enough. They don't like losing two their big blue opponents at the best of times. But, yeah, a, 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 you know, a convincing loss, or I should say a convincing win by Sydney. Yeah. And, yeah, well, I think that, as well. yeah, I think that sort of that panic button will be slightly pressed a little bit more, I think, because, yeah, they, they don't want to be losing sight to, to their, their big rivals like that. I think they, they'll be looking for a strong force, but as well, I think Sydney FC, I think they'll be able to make a point as well. I will miss well. I think Anthony DiPietro will be looking for that panic button. As you mentioned now, wraps up quickly. Brisbane yep. all result. The score on Sunday afternoon at Dolphin Stadium will be one all. Oh, you've just stolen exactly what I was. I'll go with. I'll go with. You know, I won't be the same. I'll say they'll win. Brisbane Royal will win one goal to nil. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think defensively, I think I think that's the key to all to yep. Roar. I think if they, if they if they keep their defence in check. The attack comes together. I think they'll be in much better place. Absolutely, now that we'll do it for this show. Adam, thanks for joining me. Yep, thanks, Scott. And always enjoy your travels next week. Oh, I shall, and I'll try and keep up what's going on while while I'm away. We hope to have a show for you. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe it'll be an extended post-game show. We'll have to wait and see. But for now, well, thanks for joining us on the Brisbane Football Review.